No pain, no gain. Gotta be cruel to be kind. <laughs> well, sorta. Of. Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth. The gospel message that sanctified the believer for the work of God through the work of the Holy Spirit is what? The work of pruning. Now we don't like the way the Lord prunes us sometimes, huh? Oh, that hurts, but it's okay, hang on. For your good. Ah, the pruning of the Lord on our lives saves us and it continues to purify us in a sanctified life over and over and over again. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. We read in Paul's writing to the Ephesians how Jesus used Christ's love for His church to illustrate how husbands should love their wives. And there, He said that He would sanctify and cleanse His church with the washing of the Word that He might present it holy and without blemish. Well, Pastor Xavier brings us to the Gospel of John for yet another illustration Jesus gave His disciples of the need for the cleansing of His followers in order to bear fruit useful to His kingdom. That's the simple truth to be harvested today in the familiar message of the vine and the branches. Let's listen. John chapter 15, verse 1 through 8. I've entitled the message, The Vine and the Branches. Our Lord has told His disciples that He is returning back to the Father, and the response has been one of amazement and fear. In chapter 13, Jesus revealed their relationship to Him after the example of a servant. In chapter 14, Jesus revealed His comfort in relationship to His return for them. Now in chapter 15, Jesus reveals the relationship to Him in order to bear fruit while in this hateful world. And as we will see in chapter 16, Jesus will reveal their relationship to Him through the Holy Spirit in persecution. We want to look at the discourse of Jesus regarding the vine and the branches in relationship to bearing fruit, which is expounded in three movements from verse 1 to 8. The first movement is the proclamation regarding fruit, verse 1 and 2. The second is the interpretation regarding fruit, verse 3 through 5. And then thirdly, the application regarding fruit, verse 6 through 8. Let me read the text. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that he may bear much fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done 
for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. The first movement we see is the proclamation regarding fruit. Verse 1 and 2. Notice first the occasion of the discourse of fruit bearing is important. We must look into the historical background or the cultural background to put the setting in its context. The proclamation took place after the supper in the upper room when the Lord had said, Arise and let us go from here. The end of chapter 14, verse 31. That's the first thing we want to note. Also, the discourse and prayer of chapter 15 through 17 took place somewhere between the upper room and the Kidron Valley because chapter 18, verse 1 says, Then they moved across the Kidron Valley. Now, the occasion is believed by some to have been prompted by the golden vine that adorned the bronze gate built by Herod in the temple. Others believe maybe looking over the Mount of Olives from across the valley, the vineyards that were there. Either one will do, and certainly we're not lacking for illustration. Now, the source of fruit bearing is given to us in verse 1. The Lord Jesus declared himself to be the true vine. Literally, the vine true. The word true means truthful, ideal, genuine, opposed to the false or the degenerate. That's important. He has said already that he's a true light in John 1, 9. He has said he's the true bread from heaven in John 6, 32. He has said he's the true God through the mouth of Paul in 1 Thessalonians 1, 9. And he has said through the mouth of John the Beloved in Revelation 3, 7, he is holy and true. He is the ultimate. He is the original. He is the source of all things. All things were created by him and for him. And apart from him, there is nothing that was made. Now the vineyard was a symbol for Israel. God did all he could and he planted a vineyard, he hedged it, he watered it, and before he knew it, it brought forth wild grapes. Isaiah 5, 1 through 7, the great imagery of a vineyard for Israel. God did all he could do, and in spite of that, she brought forth wild grapes. God called her a degenerate vine in Jeremiah 2, 21. God is entreated to restore the vine of Israel, which he had planted in Psalm 80, verse 8 through 19. So throughout the scriptures, Israel is typified as the vine. Israel is spoken not only as a vine, but is spoken as a fig tree and as an olive tree. Fig tree, Joel, Matthew 24, the olive tree. Speaks about it in Romans chapter 11. So those are... Uh, three symbols and trees that Israel is typified. You remember the Lord expressed also the parable of the wicked husbandman in Matthew 21. 
And he said that he sent out servants and, and they beat them. And he had a vineyard. He loaned it out to these guys. And he sent them and they beat them. So then he said, last of all, I'll send my son. Surely they'll honor my son. And they killed him. And he was speaking about the Pharisees and they knew he was. So the symbol of a vineyard was a very common thing for Israel. Plus the very concept of vineyards was the everyday lifestyle throughout Israel. Notice that the Father is declared to be the vine dresser. Jesus is the true vine. The Father is the vine dresser. The word vine dresser means the husbandman or the tiller of the soil or literally the farmer. The word is used throughout the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, 16 times it appears. It only appears one time here in John. And the two other times it appears in the New Testament is 2 Timothy 2, 6, where it says that we must be, first be, the labor must first be partaker of his fruits. Labor there is husbandman, referring to us. And then the other one in James 5, 7, about being patient for the harvest, the husband is waiting for the last days in the harvest. The work, notice, is a joint venture of the father and the son. They're both included. The father sent the son, and the son came to do the work of the father. Isn't that what Jesus said continuously? He told the Pharisees, for which of these works do you stone me? He says, for these works we don't stone you, but because you make yourself out to be God, we stone you. You see? How often we said as we've gone through John, and we've been in John pretty long, but I mean, we'll get there. Pretty soon we'll get done. But, you know, how many times have we run across, he sent me, the father sent, 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 sent. I came to bring you to the Father. John 1.18 says he reveals the Father, nobody else. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and God was the Word. And the Word became flesh and beheld His glory as the only begotten, full of grace and truth. The Son. He was sent. And so it's a joint venture, the Father and the Son. Mark that well. Now notice thirdly that in verse 2, the care of the vine dresser for fruit bearing is given to us. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. The care of the vine was not an easy thing and took a lot of time. The farmer would have to break up the fallow ground and remove all the stones in order to plant the vines. Then he would water and tend to it constantly. If you know anything about farming, it's hard work, even today with all the modern machinery and everything. It's hard work. The first three years, the vine was not allowed to fruit, but cut back each year in order that it might be strengthened and developed, mature, and produce good fruit. This was a familiar occupation of the day. Please understand that as we're looking at this allegory, Jesus is speaking to his disciples about something that was very common, very knowledgeable to them, and they knew exactly what he was talking about. The problem with us today in the church, we try to do all these fancy little things with the teaching, and we mess it up. Leave it alone. Read it and understand it in its simplicity. And you will come out with truth. Now, I warn you, if you do that, you may have to change your theology. <laughs> okay? Because people come to text with a preconceived idea because they've got a theological stand, and so they interpret it by their theology. Leave it alone. Take it with simplicity, and if you have to change your theology, praise God. Probably the best thing that's ever happened to you. <laughs> 
Notice he takes away every branch in him that does not bear fruit. The word take away means to lift up, to take up or elevate at times through the scriptures. When the lame man took up his bed and walked in John 5, 8, that's the word that is used. That's the words that is used here, to take up and remove. There are branches that do not bear fruit and merely take life and nourishment from the ones who do. So there's two types of branches here, right? Don't miss that. Then there are branches who do bear fruit and they're left. The word in this context means to remove, to cut off, to carry off. Very simple. This is a common illustration, common knowledge. They would see a farmer out there clipping vines, taking them out, and leaving others. It's just simple. Now notice he prunes every branch that bears fruit in him. The word prune means to cleanse of filth or impurities and is used as a metaphor for cleansing of guilt of sin in Hebrews 10, 2. But here it's used in the context implying cleansing by cutting away useless shoots from the branches that are producing fruit because those shoots suck life away from them. So they're trimmed off. He has a purpose for this activity. Notice verse 2 at the end, that the branches bear more fruit. Now, we began with the word fruit. Now we get the phrase more fruit. There's a progression. We're going to get one more. Okay, there's a progression. The cutting back may seem drastic and even unwise, yet it will allow the vine to gain strength and to produce a better quality and a greater quantity of fruit. Why? Because the purpose of a vine is to reap as much fruit as you can. Nobody ever plants a vine and says, well, you know, I don't want too many graves, just a little bit. No, they want all they can get. This is the proclamation regarding the fruit. Now, is there any difficulty in it? It's very straightforward, right? It was understood perfectly by the disciples. They saw it every day. They grew up with it. From the proclamation, he moves to the interpretation regarding fruit. Verse 3 through 5. Notice first in verse 3, the condition of the disciples for fruit bearing is given. You are ready, already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. They were already clean. Jesus was talking about being justified before God by believing him as Messiah. That's what he was talking about. Jesus declared to Peter in chapter 13, verse 10, that remember when he was going to wash his feet and Peter says, you wash my feet? And Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you have neither part nor lot with me. And he says, give me a bath. And, and the Lord again says, Peter, you're always misunderstanding. What I'm talking about is if you're already bathed completely, you're already justified. You just need to wash up your feet because you live in a dirty world and you're a dirty man. The word clean means to wash, to purify physically, spiritually, or ethically. Now, it is a different form of the same word prune in verse 2. Same words here. There it is used as a verb. Here it is used as an adjective. 
So in the previous verse, a verb. Here, an adjective. But it's the same word. Notice then, they had been cleansed by the words Jesus had spoken to them. That's how they were cleansed. Okay? The gospel message that calls all to repent from their sins, receive the forgiveness of their sins through Jesus Christ. That is very clear through the scriptures. Paul the Apostle says to the Ephesians in 5, 25, 26, and 27, there he says uh, that he will present himself a bride without spot, wrinkle, any such thing by the washing of the water by the word. By the word. The word of God cleanses us. It saves us, and it continues to purify us in a sanctified life over and over and over again. The gospel message that sanctified the believer for the work of God through the work of the Holy Spirit is what? The work of pruning. The work of pruning. Now, we don't like the way the Lord prunes us sometimes, huh? Say, so, Lord, look what you did to me. He says, yeah, it's good, isn't it? Oh. oh, that hurts. It's okay. Hang on. For you're good. I want some big grapes. I don't want these BB-sized ones you're producing, man. Let me read you something out of Psalm 119. As you know, Psalm 119 is the longest psalm, and it deals with one issue. What? The Word of God. In Psalm 119, verse 9, it says, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. And then in verse 11 it says, Your word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word. Let me go to verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. <laughs> Pruning. Verse 71, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. Ah, the pruning of the Lord on our lives is so good. But we don't like it, do we? We squirm, we yell, we kick. It's like giving a kid a bath, a little three-year-old. Boy, you have to chase him all around the house. The Father, who was the vine dresser, had already worked on their hearts through the vine, Jesus, the source of the Father. Very simple. You are clean already because of the word which I have spoken to you. Now notice, secondly, the abiding of the branch is absolute for bearing fruit. Verse 4. Don't miss that. The abiding of the branch is absolute for bearing fruit. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. They were to abide in Jesus the vine and Jesus the vine in them. Straightforward. The bearing of fruit is a partnership of Jesus and the believer as that of the Father and the Son. Do you notice from chapter 13 on there's an intertwining of the Father, Son, Son, believers, and everything, the Holy Spirit, all together? There's no difference. The abiding speaks of dwelling and walking in obedience to the words of Jesus. It's very simple. Don't get carried away with, with abiding. Abiding is he's just talking about your word, obeying the word. The word abide appears seven times between verse 4 and 8. The command is not an option, but a requirement to bear fruit. So it's a key word, right? Abide, abide, abide. You think there's an important message of abiding in this allegory? And that's the key, right? He's talking about abiding, right? He's talking about fruit. 
And the command is not an option, as I say, but it's a requirement to bear fruit. Now, notice the illustration is that of a simile. A simile is always prefaced by like or as. Like a deer, as a deer. And he compares you. He says, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. The branches have no potential to bear fruit in and of themselves. Do you see that? The branches have no potential apart from their abiding in the vine. Now, this may seem very basic and all that, but listen, you'd be surprised what people do with, 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 with this allegory. You have to follow it step by step, and you see the clarity and the simplicity of it. And when you see it, leave it alone. Don't mess with it. Notice the relationship is transferred now to them. He's been talking about branches, right? And the vine. Now it's transferred to them. Neither can you unless you abide in me the true vine. They had no potential to bear any fruit for God apart from the vine, Jesus Christ. They were spiritually dead apart from Christ as all other human beings. No different. They had to abide in the vine to bear what? Fruit. It's very simple. Now notice thirdly here in verse 5 that the abiding of the branches guarantees fruit bearing. Very simple. The abiding of the branches guarantees fruit bearing. Listen to him. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Jesus is the vine, the source of the fruit. That's clear by now. He has said it in many different ways. There is no other vine or source of fruit bearing for God. None whatsoever. There is no other person apart from Jesus who can claim this. There is no other name that the Father honors. Acts 4.12 says there is no other name given under heaven and earth whereby men must be saved. There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy 2.5. Jesus has already told us in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me, right? It's pretty narrow. Pretty straightforward. Now notice the disciples are the branches. You can't miss it. They are the ones who Jesus will use to manifest himself to the world. They are the ones who have confessed him as Lord, Messiah, and trusted him as their Savior. They are the ones who Jesus will use to manifest himself to the world. They are the ones who will manifest the Christ-like life on the earth for all to see. The consistent abiding union results in what? Much fruit, the end of verse 5. Much fruit. The person who abides in Christ bears much fruit. The word fruit appears six times between verse 2 and 8. And notice of the progressive stages. Fruit, more fruit, much fruit. <laughs> 30, 60, 100 fold. The person who attempts to bear fruit without Christ can do some things. Is that what your Bible reads? Nothing. The abiding of the branches guarantees fruit bearing very simple listen to him 
I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Pastor Xavier Reese, drawing to a close today with the simple truth that when it comes to bearing fruit, abiding in Christ is an all-or-nothing proposition. Now, you may be interested to know that today's presentation can be heard again anytime by way of the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And there's still much more to come of today's in-depth study right here next time as well. But if you prefer your own personal copy on CD, we can make one available for only $4 upon request. The title to ask for is The Vine and the Branches. When you write to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And that title, once again, is The Vine and the Branches. And when you contact us, thanks for letting us know the call letters of the station you're listening to. That information is very valuable to us, and we appreciate your help very, very much. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. But when we abide in him and he in us, guess what? We get everything. Find out why on the next Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com